I have 360 units of Pharma Nordotropin, along with 1,000 units of quality generic, the, the Kefis. He says, my question is, would I be better off running a steady combo of four units Pharma with five units of the generic the whole time or run five to 10 units of generic for six weeks, allow the test in EQ to build up and then add in 10 IU of Pharma on top of that for about five to six weeks and then drop back down to 10 units of generics for the remainder of the cycle. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with coaches Skip Hill, Andrew Berry, myself, Scott McNally, and all of our programming is not brought to you by YouTube. You suck. It's brought to you by you, <laughs> the people of Patreon. Thank you guys for helping to support our programming. God knows YouTube won't have us, but you guys will. And I'm going to make sure that no matter what happens, that you guys still get all the content. Screw the, the big numbers. Screw YouTube if we have to. I don't care. You guys are still getting your show. And your audio listeners are like, what the hell is this YouTube thing? I don't even do that. I just listen to you. I download the audio episode. I listen to it every week. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. You've always been the foundation. We are also brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK to get high-quality protein powders, creatine, every carb you can think of, every protein you can think of, every flavor you can think of. Definitely hit me up if you have any questions about them. We've all used True Nutrition for literally decades now. I can pretty much say going on decades at this point. And uh, Dante Trudell has been like the most hardcore bodybuilder, one of the people that we all have a ton of respect for, and I'm grateful to have him supporting our programming. Way more grateful than having YouTube. Truly, truly, honestly, <laughs> if I had to have pick one or the other, I would take True Nutrition all day. We're also brought to you by SupplementSource.ca for Canadians. Great deals that change week to week. Uh, label changes, short dated products. Guys, We've got a bunch of listener questions. We've got some live stream questions here. This is a hot episode. We've got Chase Irons is hanging out with us in the live stream. What's up, Chase? And uh, I'll just, I'll dive right in here. I'm going to go to like, this is just to start us out light. All right. We don't have to skirt the rules or anything of YouTube at this point, but I'm still going to start us out light. I had a question about uh, preparing food. And he said it was for It's Just Bodybuilding or anywhere else that I thought would fit. Well, I think it fits here. Um, <laughs> how, how do you go about trimming fat off chicken before cooking it? Sometimes I wonder if I'm crazy. Does anyone else go this crazy? And question B, what is your tool of choice, scissors or a knife? I've used a knife ever since I saw Jake Cutler use a knife in 2006. There, I said it. Here's uh, first. I, I want to point this out. We are not on YouTube, so um, I'm just gonna fucking swear and I'm all gonna the fucking up. episode. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say I don't know cunt. I'm gonna say all those things. I don't even know yeah. cunt's probably fine, but anyway, <laughs> those are my. That's my for my English. My my British people they use that word like they we use bitch. But anyway, yeah. Um, I was gonna just over talk over talk you and. Be like, eh, fucking uh, Dante Trudell, he's a fucking man. And then I didn't want you to just be like, dude, I've had a rough, I've had a hard enough time the last couple of days. Just chill. <laughs> anyway, uh, knife, chick, fight. You know what? Here's the thing. You guys do, I'll ask you if you do the same thing. Because I do this and it's, it drives me nuts. When I clean my chicken, I get boneless, skinless chicken breast. And I'm a pretentious dick, so I have, because I can say that now. At least for this episode. I have Whole Foods delivered to my door because I'm lazy and I'm pretentious. I don't want to go there and I don't want to buy it and I don't want to deal with all that. So they bring it to my 
to my door, I bring it in, I cut it. This is what I do. I will not, first, I don't eat tenderloins. I cannot stand chicken breast tenderloins with that thing in the middle. And I try yeah. to get it off and oh, I can't. And I, I, that I vein can't, or whatever it is. It's a tendon. It's just yeah, it's, nasty. You bite anyway, into that, man. It makes me never want to eat chicken again. Exactly. <laughs> I cut out the notch where okay. the breast connects because I'm not going to eat anything. What's the word? Not, but what's a word that's, that is like, like a tendon? Tendinous? Tendin. Fibrous? Tendinous? Yeah, I want to say tendinosis. Yeah. It's not it. Tendinous. <laughs> it's something else. I'm not eating anything. I cut that notch out. And I lose a lot sometimes because I do it very fast. I cook about 12 pounds, no, 10, 15 pounds of chicken a week. And I'm pretty good at it because I got it down to about an hour, hour and 10 minutes. And it's literally from the time that I start cutting it to the time it goes into the fridge and it's packed for the week. But I will cut that. And mine are real lean. Mine are already pretty clean. I will not buy chicken that I have to clean outside of that notch. So okay. it makes it pretty fast. Uh, and I, I cook that bitch up and get it in there as fast as I can. But I have to get that notch out. Do you guys do the same thing? Because I will not bite into my chicken and be like, and chew on rubber. I'm not. You make doing a good that. point. The higher quality chicken you get, the less fat is is on it usually. Do you guys get the uh, Miller's Amish chicken? Do you have that there, or is that just like a local thing to me? Local. It's good. It's good. We have Amish. I tell you, the best chicken I ever had is still in Colorado. And I'm telling you, it was um, and Phil Heath was sponsored by him. Um, <laughs> Redbird. Oh yeah, I remember that. And they were so lean and so small, and like you didn't have to clean them, but they were expensive. <laughs> like you had to buy Scott, a bunch of. <laughs> we're not getting banned for nothing today. We can do anything. I can show my titties. I can pinch my nipples. I can do whatever All I right, want well. to. <laughs> I don't have. Oh, I don't have mine right here. We're showing guns for everybody on the audio that was wondering yeah. what we're doing. Actually, Skip pulled his dick out. That's what happened. <laughs> it hit the floor. It was so scary. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's uh, it. If you see big breasts, <laughs> chicken breasts that are real big, you know, look, they can't be. They are. They're loaded with shit. It's Odium, got a different um, color. Um, you know, and I'm all about being on steroids. I just don't want my chicken on steroids <laughs> or antibiotics. I want that to be. And that's why I do pay more for my chicken. I get it cleaner, cleaner, leaner. And it's a faster process to. You just have to deal with the preparation. Uh, much less time prepping. So did you say you know, scissors or chicken? That's all I care about. Or scissors or knives? So you scissors? With scissors? Okay. Okay. Andrew, scissors or, or knives? I'm going to be honest, guys. I haven't prepared a meal for myself in about four years. You're kidding me. No. I haven't been to a grocery Damn, store. I need a better wife. In like two oh, years I thought it because... was Rachel. How do you do it? Yeah. <laughs> no. When I want chicken, I tell Rachel it's time for a chicken meal. <laughs> I mean, Damn. It's, I when it's time for beef meal, it's time for beef meal. So, yeah, I mean, it's... When we're down in Florida, uh, we have a nice grill, so she'll grill up like 10 or 15 chicken breasts at a time. Um, she uses scissors. So, yeah, I mean, I've always, when I prepare, I was a scissors guy. Yeah. Um, and you know what we I do need- is we cut all that crap off. All the, you know, because you, you want to cut around the edges and you get a little bit of the protein part of it still. Yeah. So she'll put that in a pan and cook it, right? 
and then we use that as a topping for our dogs. Okay. So like, they get their farmer's dog, which is all like human grade food, but then we top it with some ch- some real chicken pieces to get them a little bit more fat and um, a little bit of that grisly uh, tendon and cartilage type crap that uh, they really love. So so yeah, I, we, we make use of the whole thing. That's I need I remember, my wife to hang out with your wife because apparently mine is not very good at the wife thing. Well, mine also doesn't work, so it's kind of her job. <laughs> it's her job. So, I almost spit you know, that out. I that that okay. That's an important note. I guess. Yeah, like that's yeah, that's that's, that's, that's the trade off. You know, like I don't okay. do laundry. I don't do. But keep in mind, <laughs> I'm in an office chair twelve hours a day. You yeah, know, yeah. And, and you know when I'm doing a house renovations, like I'm the one that's doing all of it. When I look over yeah. and she looks cute reading a book or watching a show on you know on TV or whatever, like you know what I'm saying. Like so, there's a trade off there. It is right. we're very old school in terms of you know house rolls and all that like i take the trash out i do all the dirty stuff you know if, if a toilet were to back up get up here you know i'm the one that deals with it but all the other domesticated stuff we, we have you know traditional roles i guess you want to say completely flip-flopped in this house the garbage disposal goes out it's her ass crack hanging out underneath she she is like she fixes because she's had a maintenance staff for what 25 years she knows a lot of that Type yeah. of stuff. I'm the one cooking the meals, doing the grocery yeah. shopping. I'm really good at buying women's heels. <laughs> I, I will say this though, for like you know the first ten years we were together, I cooked all of our food. You know, so because you know we were both working, but I was like more into bodybuilding before she really got good at it, and so I was the one that was like preparing chicken, beef. I cook her breakfast every because I was up at four o'clock every day. I'd have her right. breakfast cooked for her, you know by the time she got up. So it was yeah. I mean, but right now we're just in very traditional old school rules gotcha all right i got some more stuff here and i do have to shout out one of our patreon subscribers because i remember her posting a picture of a knife on a cutting board with some diced up chicken and she made me feel really terrible she said what is it with all these men that are using scissors to cut up their chicken like get a good knife learn how to use it be an adult so i'm sure she's rolling her eyes when she's listening i to just the think it's now. easier and it's quicker without having i don't have a lot of uh counter space i did in the houses we lived in but not in an apartment that's less than 1400 or probably 1400 square feet I, those scissors i can literally pull out a chicken breast clip clip that chunk out and and not even have to set that chicken breast down before i put it in a bowl yeah, yeah, I'd be better. Yeah, I'm yeah. better with scissors than I am with a knife. Personally, me too. I, me too. Like I, I end up wasting a lot more of the good stuff when I try to like you know keep yeah. up with, with with a knife. I, I feel like the scissors are way more efficient. Well, and, right. and safer. How many have you ever cut a finger off with a pair of scissors? Right, uh-huh. but you'll I'll cut a finger off with yeah. a knife. <laughs> I've eaten that bloody chicken too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Devin has one for us in the live stream. He says, uh, question if you guys get to it. Um, have you ever heard of someone coming off cycle and hunger shoots up through the roof? Hunger was uh, hunger was up well on. No orals, nothing that would blunt appetite. But now, on the cruise, hunger has skyrocketed. I don't Absolutely. know, but I recognize that guy. <laughs> I would say this is more of a common side effect once. And I just think it comes down to your body being less toxic. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I've always experienced a boost in appetite when I finished a cycle. And I'm not, I'm not talking like a pre-contest cycle. I'm talking like, a, you know, when you get to the off season, you're eating all the calories you could possibly eat. You're, you're maxed out on your drugs and then you finish your cycle. That's what I'm talking about. Like, like 
my appetite increases to where I'm able to eat even more food and, you know, continue an anabolic streak there. So I don't think this is a very uncommon side effect that Devin's uh, feeling. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Amino Asylum use code take. I can say that now. Yeah. (laughs) Amino Asylum dot shop use code think (laughs) just randomly throwing that in there yeah no i i totally agree with both of you guys in fact i would say that it maybe back in the day when i used to cycle like i'm talking early on i would just go in i'd hit it hard start my cycle up with like a kickstart a d-ball or something and and i just like force the food i didn't pay attention to hunger I, i didn't pay attention to my appetite i just ate no matter what i made myself eat but nowadays I feel like I'm a little bit more nuanced with my clients where I want to try to make sure that we get you good and hungry before that off season, like Mm -hmm. during the off season at the beginning. Right. And then we add the gear in and we kind of evaluate as we go to keep you as hungry as possible too. You know what I mean? Versus just force feeding. All right. What about this one? Then we had another guy here from Casey on Patreon. Um, he says, uh, yeah, okay. So I asked Dave Crossland about this. He had never heard of this himself. I've read that athletes will have HGH injected directly into a tendon that is injured to speed up the recovery process quicker. Will this help at all with insulin if a bodybuilder were to inject sub-Q into muscle they were training that day? So first about the HGH into a tendon thing, that's I, that's getting back to like bodybuilding folklore, I guess, for no for lack of a better term. You know what I'm saying? Like like what we understand about peptides now is that once it hits your system, like it's systemic. Now, is there a speed of delivery to get into the bloodstream based off where you're putting it? Absolutely. It's a little bit quicker to put it into a muscle tissue uh, than it is to put it in sub-Q. It's a little bit quicker to put it right in your IV than it is to put in either of those because you're putting it right in the bloodstream. So, um, you know, and I think we talked about this like four years ago, Skip, about um, BPC. Because remember the common, the common. I don't know if you've been using it, but you were asked a question to me about it off air, about using it and like the the idea was putting it in the muscle that, that, was, that was damaged or the tissue that was damaged. And it's going yeah. to somehow, and, and I think I explained to you exactly what I just said. Well, it doesn't matter that much because give or take two or three minutes, it's going to get systemic and go to the receptors throughout your whole body, et cetera. But then I also right. said, being the bodybuilder superstition that I am, mm-hmm. I'll probably put it as close <laughs> to the site of injury yeah. just in case there just is case some 2% benefit. Yeah. As long as it's not it like closer. something weird like an ankle, you know what I mean? Like yeah, if, or if like were, rectum or some shit. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I'm just gonna go with the shoulder at that point. I'm with you though, one hundred percent. So the insulin nope. thing, I mean, you're gonna get it. I mean, we we've talked before, at least I don't know if we have we talked about using like a Novalin R um intramuscular. I don't know if that topic's come up here. Because you're gonna change the add, speed. You change the thermodynamics of it a little bit, yeah. Um but okay, so this is making me think of something else that someone just messaged me the other day about how they shoot Lantus IV during a workout. And it, but, and they're trying to tell me that it does the same thing as, as shooting. Um, it's faster than Humalog. Okay. And this is one of those things where I glance at it and I'm like, I don't even have time to break this down right now. And I, it was just a question or a, or, or some, what someone's protocol was. And I, it, 
No, wow. like Lantus doesn't. No, Lantus and Humalog are two very different. I mean, they're both insulin, but they're different types of insulin. And Novalin is also a different type of insulin. Trigeo is a different type of insulin. So yeah, yeah it, it's not gonna it's not gonna have the same um, effects as, as using a rapid versus a, a longer lasting. To this question, can, can, I'm sorry. Can you put it up one more time? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing because there's an odd thing in there with the sub Q. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, this you don't inject sub Q into a insulin. muscle. I think he means I am. Oh, that may be. I just I'm taking. I was just I was confused by that because I'm like, uh. I mean, we're cutting a few minutes off of uh, the the onset of action, um, basically by putting it into a muscle versus putting it sub Q. Yeah. You know. Okay. The typical gonna, number. Go ahead. I was going to say the typical minutes or time frame that I look at or that, that, that I've seen in literature are, you know, somewhere around, um, if you're putting it sub Q, something like Humalog will start to really hit the bloodstream in about 15 minutes. So knowing that there's more vascularization in muscle tissue, um, so it's going to get in your, your bloodstream faster, I would shave maybe five to seven minutes off that and say that if you do inject it intermuscularly, you're probably going to save five or seven minutes. Oh, okay. Then you're saying, because this would have been a good question while Scott was on, because sure. it was something that I have gone, I mean, I touched on it, um, you know, with those questions with the GH. The, you know, Novolin, you guys know, but just so that everybody else who's listening knows, Novolin R is essentially the generic for Humulin R. So there's not going to be any difference there between those two. But injecting Humulin R or Novolin R uh, intramuscularly, gives an onset time that is similar to Humalog injected sub-Q. And that's why I think it's become so much so popular, the Humilinar, Novilinar, because it's so easily accessible without yeah. having to order it, get it through the mail, potentially have it degrade and everything else based on, uh, I don't say quality control, but how it's handled yeah. um, by the time it leaves wherever it's going and gets to you versus me walking into a pharmacy that's a block away and going, hey, because uh, you, you don't need a script for Novolin R or Humulin R, and I walk out with a bottle of Humulin R for $70 versus uh, two doors down, $200 at CVS because they, they the big chains tend to get you. If you go but, to uh, Walmart, it's 25 and I had a client that just told me, I'm going to look it up over on here, but he said he used yeah. GoodRx to get it for 15 yeah, it, I've heard of Novel. I mean, back in the day, Novel and R at Walmart was twenty-five or thirty dollars. The reason that I don't um, tell clients to do that anymore is I've had too many people go in based on where they are in the country, and they yeah. say no. And I know really? I go in CVS, and Novel and R is like ten dollars cheaper than Humil and R. The big. Yeah. It took me a while to figure this out. I've got a couple of friends, a couple of doctors, and, and a couple of pharmacist friends. Uh, one pharmacist friend. I was trying to be vague there, so I didn't pinpoint him. But right. um, they've been incredibly helpful because I've learned a lot in a very short amount. I actually thought a lot of that was just kind of bullshit. How, oh, the pharmaceutical company, you know, and people are going to laugh at me. Oh, I knew that forever. Uh, I, I didn't think that the prices were that... Um, I didn't think it was as big of an issue as, as it actually is. So to walk in and not pay or to pay over the counter for human R at CVS, because I'll, I have no problem mentioning it, for almost $200 a bottle and two doors down at the longstanding um, downtown, right downtown West Palm Beach, longstanding pharmacy there, they sell it to me $10 over cost at $60. I actually started questioning them because I'm like, that doesn't even sound right. Like, are you, this is real? this legit? And she's showing me pictures, and I told her what happened, and she just laughed. She goes, you don't know the industry very well. And If you're interested, is, 
how it works. If you're interested in learning about the industry, you got to read that book, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci. It doesn't go necessarily into insulin, but it goes into the whole process of how like drugs get approved and like why the prices are what they are, and and the whole scam that's going on between how he and like his board NIH and NIAID they basically shell out all the money for research for every drug, and which means that he's got his nose or he's got his his finger in the pockets of all the pharmaceutical companies because they want to be on his good side, and they working with insurance, working with providers. They, they have all these scams. Like, like if you look in Europe, a lot of the drugs that we have in our country are pennies on the dollar compared to what, what people pay over here. Insulin being one of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all because of, it's all because of our government really. And, and yeah. just how greedy certain people in the government are. And it's not just an innocuous, you know, medication. It, yeah. It's something oh, yeah. that is life or death for, and it's breaking people. Yeah. Some families when they can't afford a lot of families. I, I was just I was really disappointed by that. I know that sounds naive to a lot of people. You know, there are in there. Impo- there are informed people and there are people who do their due diligence. And then there are people who really think they're informed and they really think they're do- they're done their due diligence and they're talking out of their ass. And it's hard to sift through a lot of the information. My point is that when this came up. I was yeah. really surprised that it fell in my lap that that's what it was. So, yeah. um, again, the the insulin, do you guys agree that the uh, – I wish Scott was still on too, but do you guys agree that the that the IM injection of the Humulin R is comparable to the sub-Q injection as far as onset time and peak and everything? It's actually pretty – I mean, it was Scott who gave me the – Yeah, the, that was where I heard, heard it too. pretty close. That's what I thought too. So um, I've always done that. Like I, I would say – comparable but not it's not, not exactly yeah, yeah not exactly but, so I, I think it adds a little it's bit like your, it's I, like your it's like your white trash uh ac you know what i mean it's like good enough <laughs> well, what, do you, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean by it adds time just because i i i'm, I'm well, because you, you okay so you're getting some like the the rapid insulin because it's a mix right because there's there, there's lots of insulins we're talking about novelin humulin i believe it's i think it's 70 30 if i remember correctly 70 30 isn't humulin r humulin Okay, so so that's where so this is where this is where I'm going with this because okay. because there's 50-50s, there's 70-30s, right. there's Absolutely. I think there's a 90-10 even. I personally have kind of shut my my brain off to all those, and I request clients and myself to use Humulin, Novol, uh, uh, sorry, Humalog, Novolog, Apidra, um, Fiosp, and all those very rapids because yeah. I know how they react, I know what to expect from them, and I know how to tell clients, okay, test your blood sugar then. You know what I'm saying? Whereas yeah. with the Humulins, the Novalins, and all those mixes, those blends, I'm not going to say they scare me, but they concern me a little bit more. Like I'm not afraid to use them on myself, but yeah. I don't really feel confident telling someone else who doesn't know exactly what to look for or when to look for it. Meaning, like, like say a hypo situation, right? Sure. Um, but that's the only reason why I'm very like to me, insulin in my mind is kind of black and white. You either have a rapid or you're using a long lasting for those purposes. And I just don't really mess with the stuff in between because of that. Like it's very comparable. Absolutely. But there's a little bit of variability there. And sometimes like I've, I'm trying to remember a couple of years ago, like years ago when people could only get Novolin or human. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, uh, I'm trying to remember, like, let's say they were working out at like five o'clock at night or something like that. And I think we were using, um, we were using Humulin Intra and pinning it in the muscle, like you're talking about. 
and yeah, they got a pretty expected response that you would similar to Humalog with the intra-workout. They're, they're doing their intra-workout carbs. But the situation like two hours post-workout, they had a massive hypo situation that, and, and they ate like, I think when they left the gym, they ate like maybe on their way home. They, they, they were doing like maltodextrin or something of that nature, right? But they had a, a really, really rapid hypo and, um, and they kept on having that happen even with changing the carb sources, changing the carb amounts. So to me, like it was just a little bit more unpredictable than mm-hmm. say Humalog. That, that's, well, and it's, that's an important, it's an important thing. People need to understand this who are listening. <clears throat> it's not just with insulin. You and I are a good example because I do exactly the opposite. I try to talk my clients out of using Humalog because, and using Humalin <laughs> or Novalin intramuscular because that's what I'm familiar with and it's that familiarity. It's much like... um. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of diazide anymore. I certainly don't want to have to deal with loop diuretics because it's not something I deal with anymore because I have moved away from those because I feel they're they're not predictable. So I'm a hydrochlorothiazide kind of guy. And I yeah. feel like I know exactly how that's going to re- – not exactly, but I, I know that compound much better than any of the other compounds, so it's more predictable. And mm-hmm. that is something that you're going to find with trainers as well as those things. It's not that other things don't work. It's with, It's – their ability to predict based on their experience with using these specific compounds, these specific ways. So it's a good point. I'm in the exact same boat as you, Skip, where I'm very familiar with using uh, like the, the regular insulin Novolin R and part of it has just been like price and availability. I, I think getting the other stuff has been a little bit questionable for some of my clients at times. So I've just known like, like you said before that like, I like the fact that it's from the doctor or, you know, excuse me, from the pharmacy. We yeah. know exactly what we have and and I know what to expect. The place I find that it becomes questionable for me is if they're using it pre-workout and it they, tr- they train and then they go home and eat and go right to bed. That's yeah. where Absolutely. I start having issues. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Because then you've got that extended window. The, the other thing though to also mention is that like, if someone was using a reasonable amount of insulin that their their coach had said, hey, use this in that situation, yeah. no one's going to die off of taking that. Let's say you said, okay, 10 units of, of Humalin R or something like that and intra-workout carbs and they ate their post-workout and they went to bed. They might wake up sweaty and hungry and be in a little bit of a shock like, uh-oh, I, I shouldn't feel this way. But like no one's going to die. If you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it would take – a pretty whopping dose. And and I only say that after reviewing lots of research of people who have tried to Mm -hmm. kill themselves with using insulin pens, you know, using a whole 300 unit pen and, you know, completely being fine and then trying it with 600 units two weeks later to try to kill themselves. Which is why we don't have the channel anymore, but this is why I commented (laughs) to the guy who posted about going hypo while he was training on like three to five units. Yeah, and I, yeah. I'm just like something's not adding up. Like I, I don't understand this. It's you know, and I made the point two to three IU or two to three units of uh, insulin, even fasted, unless you're depleted or in your body can adjust to that. If you yes. just even if you start to be like, oh, okay, my blood sugar's dipping a little bit, you just sit there and your body will adjust to that. It's yeah. There's something else weird going on there, and that's why I questioned. I'm like, I know it sounds bad, and it may not be the case, but people do mess up the insulin yeah. dosing sometimes. Yeah. And it's typically when they don't use a one mil insulin pin, because when you use half mil 
insulin pins, as an example, they are labeled 0.1, 0.2, for every 10 units. And it fucks with people. It fucked mm. with me back in 02 and 03. And I've told the story before, so I'm not going to tell it again. But felt so stupid and then felt even more dumb when I decided that it was the right thing to do to share it with the bodybuilding community, figuring I'll use myself as an example because I'm not a dumbass. So if someone like me can make this mistake, which was a dumb mistake, there's no question. But those mistakes can be made and they can mm-hmm. cost you. I was on my motorcycle every day going to work and could have just had, it just could have been horrible. Absolutely. Yeah, you could have have conked out and you know it, and again it wouldn't have been the insulin that necessarily killed you you would have you would have hit something and probably died you know what i'm saying like if you fall asleep right. like you're gonna wake up again eventually but but um, it was also the issue i mean the signs were there that i was going hypo but i didn't have the experience i thought yeah. oh it's just not that big a deal. i'll get there yeah oh gosh i need some carbs and not being able to read it because of not being experienced with those symptoms and knowing what until it got to the point where i'm like oh my god and you know, I pulled over, went inside, shoved, or, drinking orange juice in one hand, shoving Pop-Tarts in, and I'm not being melodramatic, through like over my fucking helmet and everything else because I was on my bike and, and getting yelled at because I'm in Aurora, Colorado, which is not, the. it's got good areas, but it's not known to be one of the more friendly places. <laughs> and the guy's yelling at me, convenience store, he's going to call the cops and I just don't give a shit. I'm just throwing food in me as fast as I, as I, as I could. And you know, mm-hmm. too, that when you're hypo, it doesn't like, oh, I just got the food in in 30 seconds yeah. or two minutes. I'm good. It has to, like, get to your bloodstream. <laughs> yeah. So, so then you keep eating. So then next thing you know, you, you keep eating. And next thing you know, you have high blood sugar. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because then you need more insulin. You know? Yeah. Because you're like garbage. Yeah, you need it. But I'll tell you what, though. And you, you probably know this, Skip, after feeling that, you know, when you went home and you probably wanted to lay down and just rest because your body's in shock on some level. Yep. You yeah. you feel so weird, like in oh, the it's sense a terrible that, um, feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very odd. And, and honestly, I don't think you should go to sleep. But I I went to sleep one time and told Rachel to wake me up like half hour later because I'm like I'm, my eyes are closing. I'm I'm going out. But I woke yeah. up with like the worst fucking headache and the worst. It's like um, a hangover. It's like a hangover. Yeah, it's it's exactly like a hangover. Someone yeah. did that with um, Yohimbin. Uh He took we were doing Yohimbin powder. He was a buddy of mine, and. He he was supposed to take like five milligrams. I wasn't like coaching him. I was just like, yeah, you know, you want to add a little him being into your, your cardio or something like that. He was taking a pre-workout for some reason. But um, he took what had to have been like 50 or 100 milligrams of him being in one shot. And Oh, God. He, it was the same side effect, though. His blood sugar rapidly, rapidly dropped to the point where he left the gym, drove straight to the convenience store across the street, and like like Skip was saying, ripping open bags of candy, opening sodas, and like drinking them because his body was just staying sugar. So something about that really caused a um, a super hypoglycemic moment for him. He wasn't using insulin or anything like that. It was just so him being. That's wild. How about yeah, this one? This will be a fun one. It says, hello, guys. Um, I've been training for about three years. Um, I have good quads, but I've neglected my hamstrings. I've been hitting hard uh, for the last three months now, and they're already showing some great improvement. Is it true that you can still have newbie gains on an undertrained muscle, even if the rest uh, was well, rest of the area was well developed? I'm going to say yes. I've seen it in my own life. Hands down, yes. 
Well, but are you saying because he was you or him were not training that body part effectively? So now you learned how to train it effectively. And yeah, you got those gains that you should have got. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, I'll tell you what, man. I had a couple areas. Hams were one of them, but glutes were freaking crazy. My glutes never activated right. I don't know why, but and I always had all these low back issues. And then your I job? Fi- were you working yeah. the pop? Uh, I think it was just my life, man. And it was the way I squatted my, like it just never activated. Like, you know, you hear the guys are like, Oh, squatting, just give me a big butt. Like not me. You know, I literally had like no glutes my first couple shows. And I finally, at one point I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do bikini girl workouts. And it was at the time you remember you met, um, uh, uh, Amy, uh, Amy Landry skip at the Arnold. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about yeah. me. Oh no. Yeah. Amy Landry. She was uh, she was a really good bikini pro. And, uh, and we had worked together for uh, a number of years. And I said, Amy, I'm going to the gym with you. Put me through a glute workout. So I didn't do all the exercises. Like I, I did the workout with her, but then after that, I like picked some out and I was like, okay, I'm going to do like a glute comparison here, like a trans glute transformation. And I swear to God, like three months, my butt completely transformed. And it was, it was like newbie gains. And then I did the same thing with my back training back with Shelby all those years, doing all the Meadows programs, all that. Looking back, I, I watched the videos on like Facebook, you know, Facebook history or whatever. You know, I'd go back and I'd see a video I posted from five years ago. And like, I could see like, oh, I'm not getting a good enough stretch here. I can see what the things I'm doing wrong. And, and after I figured out how to get activation to my back, six months later, I literally had a different back. So yeah. I would say there's no question, man. Learn how to train a muscle. It, you literally can get newbie-like gains from it. I, yeah, I can't disagree with you. that. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same. I, I mean, I, don't, I guess I'm at a loss for words. Basically, you're not training the muscle as effectively as you had. You know, it, it, this could actually happen. I was t- talking about this with Scott, too, when he was on earlier. The, uh, which I shouldn't refer to because that's not part of the show. I get that. I'm really bad at that. That's and all right. I'm but not, this one might even it. come out first. Who knows? Okay. So. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but not understanding the complexities of the musculature of the back, you know, when you train. Yeah. That's another thing too, that there have been, you know, a lot of people who, and in myself included, you know, I learned just like everybody else learns. It was just like a long time ago because I, trained for so many years, uh, which I still continue to learn. Don't get me wrong. I didn't want that to come out the wrong way. What I'm saying, though, is to understand how to train back and how that musculature works. Once you lock into that, and and if you have had decent gains with not doing it correctly, then you do correctly and figure that out, how it all kind of fits together. Those those gains, too, can be – I don't know that they would be newbie gains, but – you know, Phil Heath is an example. You know, his back really wasn't that great, probably because I'm guessing, I don't know, but probably because he was so new to training that everything had genetically taken off and grown, arguably, maybe when he wasn't training everything terribly efficiently. And yeah. the back was lagging behind because it's so much more complex, even with legs. If you just move heavy weight and, and you don't, there's not a, legs are not as complicated, in my opinion, as back. There's nothing like the musculature of the back as far as the level of, of how complex it is. So I, I think would put legs next. Factor with him. What's that? I would put legs next. Like I'd say I back agree. and then agree. legs. Because you see the guys who have great quads, but then no hams that are yep. like, they've been training for three years. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. they're all quad. Yeah, I still think there's a big. I think legs are second, 
but I think there's a gap between first and Yeah, there's a major gap by far. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How about this one then? Um BSG. Better cruise length, eight weeks or 12 weeks? Note, better means uh, for finding the balance between gains and health. How about no cruise? Ah, you got to keep that up there. (laughs) Were you not listening, Skip? Well, just a better cruise length, eight or 12. Uh, Cruise length for training. Cruise for cycles. Yeah. Okay. I think he's talking about those things that some bodybuilders use called steroids. Steroids. Balance between gains and hell. Um, Yeah, it does seem like it is gear. Um, But do you guys get that? Sometimes there is confusion when clients talk about cruising. And I I have to have them sometimes clarify because I may, and I have to be very clear too when I talk to clients because sometimes I've had clients, you might laugh at this, I laugh at it now, but end up coming off the cycle because we were talking about a cruise and i'm like bro i was talking about i was talking about training take if you're going to take a cruise it's that's been a while but the point is is you might think you're clear but you got to go out of your way sometimes to make sure that what you're saying because that's not on the client that's on you it was on me in this situation for not being crystal clear i can't assume that the client knows what I'm talking about if I'm not clear. You so. taught me that lesson, Skip. I had a client that went to Junior Nationals and he was bound to do really well. And he got to Junior Nationals and he packed up his his stuff, brought it to the hotel, and then ate his meal one and checked in with me and said, all right, man, I'm going to visit friends and family. I'm going to be hanging out and stuff for the next day. I'll uh, talk to you tonight. What? I was like, what? <laughs> what? I was like, dude, you can't do that. Like, we're getting ready for the biggest show of your life. You could turn pro here. And he ended up, oh, I got my food with me. Don't worry. And he's like, I already got plans. I'm from Chicago, so I'm going to, you know. But the reality was is, I mean, although You didn't that explicitly was, say sit in your hotel room and sit on your ass and eat your and meals I and pose for me. So I should have. Yeah. And I, because I told you that story, Skip. This yeah. is years ago now. This is like 2016 or so. And I told you that story, man, and and I was pissed. And you were like, but you didn't tell him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so then this tells me that people are going to shows, and I'm not saying physique-wise, but mentally before they should. Because, like, in my mind, like, before you go and do a junior show or a national show, you should have gone to those shows to see, like, okay, soak it all in. That should, like, be what inspired you. So you see what the other athletes are doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I get what you're saying. Like, I should have written out a, a... complete game plan for him day after you know for the full day i just assumed he knew what we were doing like we're going to be yeah you know checking in just like we did for your state level show you know yeah yeah well okay so you guys did a state show before that yeah yeah you had a whole protocol and process he followed it and he didn't okay i'm gonna i, I think he's a little slow why would so, he assume i'm gonna go so i'm gonna go see the the what is it the bean the, i'm gonna go see the bean in chicago i'm gonna go to the smithsonian museum no yeah. you're not dude. he had like, family he had family there. And, and, I, and like, I get that. And I think you're, I, I'm right there with you, Andrew, that you yep. should. But I'm also with Scott in there, just, just basically on this premise alone. Had he told him and been specific, the situation would have never happened. Now, I, it doesn't necessarily make it like Scott's fault or what. It's not even like a fault. Yeah. It's just, had he been crystal clear, then it wouldn't have. And, and, I, and something like that is relatively minor versus 
the yeah. example that I use, I'm not trying to one up you, but when I said that we're going to cut, this is one I've used for years because he was a prep guy and it still blows yeah. my mind, but we're going to cut your water intake at say noon. It was oh, yeah, arbitrary yeah. thing. And what he did was he took all of his, the day's worth of water and drank it before <laughs> noon. Then had to so go to the ER walked. because he was projectile vomiting Fuck. like a fire hose water. So, and I was so mad. But then I, it just hit me. I'm like, oh, shit. I mean, yes, he made a giant leap in assumption. But had I been clear, it never would have happened. And the only reason I say it's worse is because that's more of a dangerous yeah. issue. Like, this, like with gear, diuretics, insulin. Uh, anything, anything like that, that is, that is potential health, bad shit can happen if that, if you're not clear on those things. So it's, you know, it's when you see it, when it's something innocuous, yeah, we can argue, well, that dumb son of a bitch should have known better. But if that were to carry over into something else, then you have potentially really dire, you know, situations or health, health problems and then it's like oh shit i should have been clear <laughs> so there were repercussions to him doing that he didn't have a cooler with him and he brought a couple meals with Jesus. him he ended up getting food poisoning that night and oh. that night the next morning i talked to him or i might even talk to him in the middle of the night that night he was like oh man i'm shitting my brains out i can't stop shitting and i'm just so sick so needless to say, he woke up looking his absolute worst, like yeah. his worst. <laughs> we were like trying to get, I, I got insulin him in, in him and like we could eat a muffin and it was like, just, it was bad. That said, he missed his pro card by one place <laughs> with that. So the next Actually, year, I had guess that this what? year too. I had that this happened this year too. The next year he came back in and he he nailed it. He won his class and got his pro card. So and yeah, he didn't make that mistake never again. Do that again. Exactly. Yeah. You said it exactly right. He will never. Those lessons will always stick. You with Andrew, you. Andrew. You had somebody that uh, that got super dehydrated from like diarrhea and stuff. Oh, dude. So this wasn't like a case of him eating bad food or, or you know, like he did everything right. He brought his meals, brought his cooler, had you know his Airbnb, sat in his room the whole day. Did check-ins every two hours you know everything we expect yeah and then like you know the day before the show he wakes up and he's like man i got the gurgles and like i don't uh -oh. know why and i'm like okay your food's in the cooler all those questions that we were just talking about all those you know and um i think he, he, it wasn't a food poisoning he got like some kind of like um flu or something from somebody or something you know yeah from because he traveled to get there and he couldn't hold anything down. He was throwing uh, up. He was so, you know, I, I think I told you guys this before, but whenever anyone says that, I'm like, okay, plan scrapped. I want you to literally, like, if you're throwing up and shit, I want you to start pounding water. And my whole reason is I want you to push it out of your body as soon uh, or I should say, as soon as diarrhea starts, you know, because it's, 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 it's past, you know, your upper GI. Now it's in lower. So I, I literally had this dude drinking so much water and we were still throwing tons of electrolytes in there because uh, he couldn't hold food down. And I, I mean, I won't get descriptive, but some of the stuff he was sending me, he's like, bro, like, you know, I feel like, a, I can't remember the word he used, but like a donut, you're just putting a hose through it or some shit like that. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. I and, bet his um, core was so tight the day of the show you know <laughs> he, he woke up in the morning for the show it was north americans and he was able to eat um like rice cakes and just a little bit of peanut butter and not feel like he was going to throw up again yeah and um 
but he showed up on stage about 12 or 13 pounds lighter than what we thought he was going to. Oh, so, uh, I mean, and, and the dude was already in shape, like crazy shape. Yeah. So he had no trouble making weight, obviously. Um, and he ended up getting uh, third place in his classic class, just missing that pro card by a spot again. So damn. But very similar. Dave Pulsanella, do you guys remember in the Raising the Bar films? Dave Pulsanella yeah. got really bad stomach issues before one of his shows, and it made him end up looking better. Because, like, I don't know about better, but he ended up, like, you know, getting dehydrated dry. from it and dry. Yeah. 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 I mean, and maybe he never would have ever pushed himself to that level of dry conditioning flat. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, Who knows? Right. Yeah. On his own. Yeah. So he might, maybe he learned something in that prep. Like, wait a minute, I look better emaciated than I do with a fuller rounded <laughs> look. <laughs> exactly. You know, not trying to get sick next time, but I'm going to literally try to overdo it a little bit and maybe stay on yeah. that flatter, drier side versus fuller rounder. You know. Yeah. And he still was round too. It's a crazy story. What about uh, the the question though? So uh, cruising from gear. He's asking what's better, eight or twelve weeks. I know the answer oh, is you really want us to answer to the question. It okay. It's gonna depend on the individual <laughs> and their cycle and everything else. But what are some factors we can throw at him? Their their risk adversity. I mean ah, if, yeah. if someone's like I put health as a foremost, it's the most important thing to me, but I still want to use some PEDs, then all right, well, you're probably gonna be spending a lot more of the year cruising or very low dose than you are on pushing blast cycles. And we might do very short blast cycles versus a 24 year old kid that's like, look, I want to turn pro by the time I'm 24, you know, I'm in good health right now. I don't have any outstanding, um, you know, mitigating factors that would make me want to quit the sport. Yeah. Let's do it. You know, I, it's more of a, yeah, eight weeks we get clean, we do your blood works again. Is it good enough? Let's hit it hard again. You know, it's, it's a client individual decision really though. Yeah, no question there. I completely agree with you. say this. I used to, Base that time on what the blood work looked like, blood viscosity, things like that, RBC, hematic, or hemoglobin. I'll be honest with you. I have gotten, I've started to get away from that. Because I think, and I understand that everyone may not agree with this, you guys or anybody listening, uh, but I'm just being honest with you. Based on what I have seen over the years and how I have felt myself. Yeah. Like physically, like with my health and things like that. Um yeah. I know. Sorry. He's, Sorry. He has, I had, he has, he had, I had he to do has it. Start to get loud. I'm like, maybe they didn't hear. <laughs> um, so, what happens is, I don't like to see this roller coaster ride with the blood work. I don't think uh. it's beneficial. I don't think bringing the numbers down, and, and when I say bringing the numbers down, I'm primarily talking about RBC, hematocrit, and hemoglobin. Yeah. Um, it, again, the, the, that component more than anything else but um i would rather that there's more of an even keel i think there's an argument to be said that it can be more stressful in the body to ride that roller coaster even maybe with blood pressure too now i'm not saying that running high blood pressure is great and keep running it what i'm saying is if you're high normal and then it drops to normal i don't know if going back and forth is that i'm and again i'm I'm literally saying I don't know. But when it comes to the blood viscosity, especially now what we know and what we're learning more about every day with the RBC hematocrit and hemoglobin, I don't think it's I don't think that it needs to come down in baseline only to go back up. I really don't know if there's I'm not convinced, let me say this. I'm not convinced there's a risk there. This goes back to my argument that I have said for years about the elevation and the blood 
RBC, hematocrit, and hemoglobin numbers when I lived at 9,000 feet, 7,000 feet, uh, 5,500, and now that I'm at sea level. And the awesome thing about that is, is people are now talking about it at, say, Swiss, when I don't know that it was Serrano or Stan Efferding or who it was. I know it was only a, one of a few of them, or I've narrowed it down to a few of them because I didn't listen to everybody when I was there. I have the people that I want to listen to, and I listen. So... It's good to hear that now, and even with the client that I had, you're saying was, that people uh, aren't as concerned about high hematocrit. No, they're not as concerned, and what they're doing is they're pointing out that that RBC hematocrit and hemoglobin is not what we thought it was ten or fifteen years ago. Where, oh my God, it's elevated. This is dangerous. You're going to stroke right. out. Or you're going to have a heart attack. Now they're coming, and, and it's not just within our community. It's also the medical community, but it's limited. I think it's you know, about had, the TRT uh, is because with TRT and high TRT, I think it's become more acceptable because of that. Like that's been a big factor because everybody's on TRT now. Well, yeah, but okay, let me so counter. Just, let me counter real quick. It's also become more acceptable just to be obese. And just like because the population continues to get bigger and more people continue to get fatter, we're changing guidelines. We're changing definitions to fit. Uh, People, so, you know what I'm saying? Are you saying that me, you think hematocrit should be more what, tightly controlled? What I'm saying, what, I want to actually add to that. What I'm saying is I, I want to look at a number of factors on the blood work. The hematocrit, um, uh, hemoglobin, RBC, in conjunction with the HSCRP, in conjunction with the HDL. Like I want to look at those factors to know if somebody is high inflammation, high, uh, um, um, like their, their blood's clogged. I, I want to know if they're in a position to create a storm where they could have an event, basically. That I completely agree with. That's I what I'm getting agree. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. And that's part of blood work anyway. People need to understand. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole of like 30 minutes on blood work. All I'm saying is blood work is not one read. It's not three numbers. It's a, It's how everything fits together in a very complex um, yeah. kind of puzzle yeah. or fit. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. All I'm saying is those numbers by themselves, yeah. for me, I'm only speaking for myself. I'm not trying to talk you guys into it or even to agree with me. I'm saying those numbers are not as alarming to me because I still say, and I will take, and other people are saying this too, or at least questioning it, that those, if those numbers are higher in higher, in populations with higher elevations, and that's healthy, and it's deemed healthy, then I am not for one second going to believe that, well, because we're taking steroids and we have to, we've increased our ability, the ability for our bodies to carry more oxygen with red blood cells, that that's all of a sudden bad because it's steroid-induced versus living at a higher elevation. It The outcome, the finish line is the same thing. It's just yeah. two different ways to get there, which yeah. is not to imply that, you know, Clearly, living at a higher elevation doesn't involve inject, injecting potentially toxic toxic metals and everything else that comes along with it. So that could be healthier. But the end result of the RBC hematocrit and hemoglobin, I am not convinced. At the very least, there are, there are much higher parameters than what we originally thought. That's what I stand on. And again, I'm not trying to convince you guys or anybody. I'm just saying how I feel about it. Right on. Yeah, Which I'm goes say, back to not having to come off completely if those are the only issues, but that there are many other factors, like Andrew is saying. When we say come off completely, are we talking like cold turkey, like off off even like TRT, or are we talking like, think, like okay, you're going from, say, let me just give an example real quick and you respond. Uh -huh. Like, say, 
an 800 test plus 600 of another anabolic verse and then dropping down to like 300 300 like 300 test 300 master on 300 primo or something like that are you saying like you're more of an advocate for that versus say that that 800 600 i mentioned and then dropping down to like true 175 milligrams a week trt like like yeah give me give me that um, i'm a i'm a trt guy at around that 200 mark yep. 200 250 even though arguably 250 is not TRT, but 200, yeah, 220, fun. 170, depending on how your body handles that dose and what your you know your outcome is. Honestly, I think it has more to do with free testosterone than total testosterone, but that's another rabbit hole. I don't care about, I, and I've because I've seen it myself and I've seen it with so many clients. I have no problem going from a big cycle, literally to TRT. I may taper some something down depending on what it is, but I still believe old school that long esters taper anyway. And I come down yeah. to TRT, like I said. Two or two months ago or so, because I was on. I've been on TRT until like a week ago, uh, 12, 14, 14, 14 weeks, I think. And I can come down to TRT and run. I, I was telling you, I'm like, oh my god, I, I literally like my workouts are great, arguably better than they were four or five, six weeks ago while I was finishing up the cycle, and we discussed that on the podcast. I don't think coming down from a bigger cycle to TRT is bad. I don't necessarily think coming down to 600 is bad, but I don't do it that way. The reason I dropped to TRT is because I don't necessarily see much of a benefit of staying at six to 800. If I have great workouts and I'm only speaking for myself specifically to answering your question. I I guess what I'm, well, yeah, no, I guess what I'm asking, like, so would you do say something like 800 or a thousand tests and 500 or 600 of another, of another anabolic and then maybe just cut that down to like 600 tests and something for a while versus going down to like TRT. So like an in-between, like it's, it's, it's a cycle or it would have been like yeah. one of our first cycles. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you, do you, I don't know that I know I'm some against people, it, but I don't do it that way. Okay. I, that's what, I literally, I, yeah, I don't do it that some way. Some people but say I, cruising. I, I've seen cruise cycles that were like 600 tests and like, you know, 200 trend every other day yeah I and i'm like bro that's like that. a cycle still you know yeah i cruise on literally two 250 and yep. i'm not i'm not gonna go i i know there are people who break that rule and maybe i have before but it yeah. hasn't been enough that it's even literally in my brain remember i you know i'm not trying to outdo anybody on this i'm just I'm just letting. No, I'm, know. I'm I'm genuinely curious because like because yeah. like I think a lot of people call them bridge cycles or sure. you know and then in my mind I'm like well when you get he- you know healthy again for your prep cycle well, like yeah. when I hear some of that stuff and it's usually and, like it's well, guys that are like I, getting ready for nationals a lot of the time or they're getting ready yeah. you know I, I know of a exactly. good top pro that goes from like two milligrams of stuff a week or maybe a little bit more in the off season we've actually had him on the show and then he does like a bridge cycle which he causes a crew calls a cruise of like 600 and 600 or something. And then yeah. he starts a contest prep. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, you never really quote unquote yeah, cleaned you out and got your, your blood yeah. levels down to any normal yeah. you know, level. Yeah. That's all I'm going at. Yeah. Remember though, I had, I ran a cycle straight for three and a half years. I'm not saying yeah. I'm proud of it. All I'm saying is I have tried that very long. And quite frankly, I stayed on it because I thought that it was working and it was working well. And my numbers were, they were high normal, but they were within range. So, it's not like I have an aversion to staying on and not coming down low. It's just that I have not seen a benefit or a huge benefit from running. I run long cycles. I think I'm a 20, 24 week cycle guy. I I have no, I say maybe that's not even people don't consider that to be long anymore, but it, 
it was prior. So you're running yeah, up was. to, you know, with 26 weeks being six months, it's not uncommon for me to do it. But then I have no problem running at 200. Mm. And, you know, for, I have only, it for was as long as you feel good, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah. Like, honestly, like until you're like, going well. until you're like, I need something else again. Right. Exactly. Yeah, All right. Uh, this there. time's a little different. It's a little bit abbreviated because it's only based on the timing of when of the goals that I have set for this year. So gotcha. otherwise I would probably run it longer. I feel great. I feel great. I'm not sore. I don't have the inflammation from added shit, and I just feel better. But anyway, I could go down that rabbit hole. I want to make sure we have enough time for this other question, but I wanted to throw this one up. Very important. Yes. Favorite Zin flavor and how many pouches a day? Oh, that's funny. I should just switch back to Zen, not Did three you? or four days ago. Yeah, yeah. It's the ons are getting, it, I, as with anything else, it goes way up in price, and they're just too small. And I don't like that they they're so small. I just don't like it. I like the added pouch, but now I'm going to put your used ones in. But I can't do cinnamon. Oh it yeah, gives me horrible. Horrible heartburner. It will give me the hiccups. Actually, I get hiccups from the green ones, from the uh, the that's on funny. green ones. Yeah. It's weird, man. Do from nicotine. Do they? Oh yeah, Nick. It is from nicotine. I agree. Yeah, but I am more prone to getting it from cinnamon. I only get it from the green ones, the the evergreen or whatever that is. Maybe we do more of the ones we like more, so we have more nicotine. Because I know the salt. Do you ever cough like like you get the tickle in your throat and you cough? Yeah, it's from. I think it's from that salt irritating. And that's why the first couple I treat it like Copenhagen. I don't spit. I don't swallow it. I spit it out. But I used to gut Copenhagen. I don't know if you guys did, but I would gut Copenhagen, not Kodiak, but Copenhagen. I I was just going to say my favorite flavor of Zin was uh, Copenhagen Summer Blend, but that's Ah, there you go. (laughs) And I actually almost bought a tin the other day. That's funny you say that. You know you still battle with that, right? I don't care how good and satisfying the Zins are. If I see a can of Coke, I'm like, I could just get one. I could just get one. Oh, I, I could just get one and just and be and do a ten and be done with it for the next two or three years till oh, I decide I to have another one. Like I can't. Do that. I mean, here's what I was doing. I was I was laying floor down and I had about seven hundred feet to do. And I'm like, man, you know, it'd be awesome right now. Is to have a fucking dip. And I and I said that to Rachel, and she's like, "Do you want me to go get you a ten? And I was like, ah, "No, but but maybe." And no, but maybe. Every time you talk about her, I like her more and more. <laughs> is, honestly, she she I, I can't say enough good things about her. You know, I joke around about you know, but no, she's she's the best. You know, that's how lifestyle works. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. I go with every flavor. I like to have like every single flavor, and I rotate through the day. That's but I do thing. the the on oh, through the pouches. day. You go yeah. back and forth. Oh. I got these. I got these. I got oh. these. Oh, wait, wow. and I got these. They're just floating all over my desk. And if you go upstairs, there's like a bunch of them on the in the kitchen, too, or the, the living room. Now, so. Does Victoria have a favorite flavor? or um... She doesn't like them. She doesn't like when she finds a pouch like on the counter or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? When, you, when you're about ready to eat something, you're like, I'm not getting up to go to the trash can. You what, put it right there. What flavor do you guys not like? Because I cannot do the ones that are darker because I don't want to stain my teeth. I won't do coffee. coffee. I used to like yeah, the coffee, I but I don't like the coffee. Coffee anymore. Coffee See, I like gas. the taste of it. Yeah. I just don't like that it's that brown. I'm not doing that with my teeth. Uh-uh. Yeah. But you right. throw Coke in like it was nothing. Right, right. Yeah. It didn't stain my teeth. I'm going to be honest. When I quit chewing Copenhagen is when I started drinking coffee. Coffee fucked up my yeah. teeth more yeah. than anything else. Coke never did. I had white teeth when I chewed, and I chewed about a can a day. Yeah. So I've got a question for you. A new Patreon, uh, uh, Connor. 
not going to say his last name, keep his anonymity here. And uh, he's been a longtime client of mine now. So when we first started working together, I want to say, I can't remember offhand, but he was, I think, like 200 pounds. Okay. We pushed him up past 250, nice and slow, like nice and slow. And we'd push him up and then pull back a little bit and push up and pull back a little bit. So we we broke 250 and I said, you know what, man, this next round, we, we need to, I think, actually cut because it's been like a year plus since you've gotten into shape. So we cut down and now he is 224 this week in like incredible shape like really good shape he's not contest shape glutes are not in okay yeah but like you can see his abs are all cut in veins and every, everything especially from the front that look you know what i mean back isn't quite there yet but the back still has detail when he so, goes to the gym people know he's know he's the bodybuilder exactly exactly that's, and that's kind of how i separate it right like and now we're in a place shoulders yeah, right. and we didn't we didn't want to like take this all the way down like we're because his goal is to still grow right. Mm-hmm. So now we're in a position where he's basically ready to do his like he's he's gearing up too. He was like, hey, I want to go hard. So the gear is going to be heavier. We're doing and he, and he listened to us talk about uh, which turned out to be all three of our favorite cycles: uh, test, EQ, and NPP. So mm-hmm. we've got. That's going to be the cycle plan. And he invested in some pharma grade GH. Okay. So that's why we wanted to turn to Andrew and get Andrew's opinion. We've been using um, Kefi, the Kefi blue tops that uh, I've been using those since 2013. I'd always been happy with them. They were consistent, good stuff. But he wanted to up the game, right? So we we got we got the good stuff. He was the guy I asked you, by the way. We were looking at a couple different brands, and then I, I think you told him you're wow. like, "Hey, don't get the Serastims." Uh, I, I so anyway. Wait, what? But you were concerned, yeah, because you were concerned they oh, weren't real for the price that I think he was, or the guy said he had like a certain number of kits. It that, seems that, that sketchy. When someone says they have like 50 kits of Saros or know, Genos right? or any of that stuff, it's like, no, nah. like I want my GH guy to have like four kits a month because it means he's getting it from an eight guy or he has an in with the pharmacy or something that, yeah. that I don't want to hear that you have like hundreds of kits of the stuff because it's fake. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. He says a uh, question for the next BSG show starting to plan with my coach scott and by the way he's already like trying to go he sent me out what he wants this cycle to look like he's like okay and then how about on week four we do this and week eight we do like dude we're still just like reversing slowly out of the cut now (laughs) take your take a break man take a break but so just point being he's excited and he says uh our next off-season push to have a gh question he says we're going to try at my behest to stab a high dose of GH protocol along with the other PEDs, uh, test, EQ, NPP, oh, and we're gonna use the injectable D-ball since he heard me talk about it so much. He says, <laughs> I have 360 units of pharma nortotropin along with a thousand units of quality generic, the, the Kefis. He says, my question is, would I be better off running a steady combo of four units pharma with five units of the generic the whole time or run five to 10 units of generic for six weeks, um, allow the test and EQ to build up and then add in 10 IU of pharma on top of that for about five to six weeks and then drop back down to 10 units of generics for the remainder of the cycle. Uh, let's let's just cut the, his suggestions out. 
let's just say that he has a thousand units of uh, the generics and what do you say, three sixty, I believe, of the pharma. How would you how would you set that up, Andrew? And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that too. Oh my god. Um, honestly, I guess what I would do is I do the cycle you guys are talking about with the gear. Yep. And I, I, I think I like his second option that he presented. Um, I would start out with the generics and then I would add in the farm grade at the doses you guys are talking about. And I would see if there's a difference, you know, I, and here's where I'm going with this. I've, I used to be very anti-generic. Like I think whenever anyone talked about it, I'm like, eh, you're wasting your time. Don't even waste your money, right? You're buying water. Yeah. I have completely changed my mind in the last... 16 months after seeing both the results and the blood work on people i mean just the client we talked about in the last episode with his igf going up to 820 he's running yeah. uh, uh the provider's metatropes right yeah. um the, the the higher the high line the the highest line that that guy sells uh and i've been seeing and other I've great provider stuff too that was very good they're very good gh yeah, when I used generics, it was years ago. There was one that the cafe was good for a while there, and I knew it was good because my buddy, the guy who was selling it to my buddy, was like, "Hey, I'm going to send you like 20 kits, but I need you to ship 15 of them to Matt Porter or, yeah. or Rachel Porter." So you know to do that for me because he was the uh, it was international, and then he needed someone to ship it domestically for him. He's like, yeah. "I'm going to give you three kits for free for doing that." So, um, and I knew if Matt Porter was using it, he'd already tested it. It must be good, and so I got some too, and it was great. But then I started using some of the you know black tops red tops whatever they are which yeah which is kind of funny people are always like oh you got to get on those black tops but it's like anybody can put a black uh, top on a on a gh bottle and it could right. be good it could be bad you yeah. know so it's not like black tops are a specific brand or a specific thing right but no getting back to the question i would absolutely like i said i would start out with the 10 units a day of the generics and then at some point see if there's a difference when you switch over to the nordies and honestly i'm almost convinced right now that, that you won't see that much of a difference it'll be great the whole way through yeah yeah it'd be interesting i've seen i've seen a change of water retention like one gh affects somebody with more water retention than another mm -hmm. so that's that'll be where my concern is is like sure. does, is does it make it harder to read his his progress you know what i mean does it just blowed over to do the, that's why i said to do the nordies after um the generics because if he is becoming a little watery you're yeah. gonna know instantly if okay, we haven't changed any other variables. Gear's the same as food high. We're just ch switching over to a pharmaceutical grade GH source. Do I see a visual difference in his pictures now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and for the reason that I sent you that text, I completely agree <laughs> with the um, the way with what you're saying. See if you're going to notice the difference from the generics to the to the um, Nordies. Farm grade. And if you do, yeah, farm grade. Um, yeah. And if you do, great. And if you don't, then that gives you, you know, an idea. To, here's the thing, though, that I'll say. I, I agree with you in this in the sense that I, I just I don't want anybody to think that I'm like anti-generic either, because I'm not anti-generic. What the reason that I think, or the the main reason that I think that farm grade is better is I don't have to. And this is a big deal with me because I'm older uh, and I'm arguably more focused on my health than than I was when I was younger or than maybe other people are because they're younger. I don't want to carry a ton of water and I see that as one of the bigger differences between the generics and farm grade, at least in my experience so far. And yeah. not only just the water, but even <clears throat> even the the you know, the hands falling asleep and everything else. I, 
I've done half of the dose of what I have done of, say, black black tops, Nordotrope, or I'm sorry, Metatrope, and have to wake up two or three times a night and not just roll over and shake my but get up and walk around because I miss my arms those are days. dead from I the miss, shoulders. To the I hands. miss those days because I haven't been I that in shit. that. I haven't been in that in that world I, for I a little while like, now. I, Initially, the novelty was cool. I'm like, oh my god, this is so awesome. And then it was not cool very quickly because it just, <laughs> it just I, I'm like, I got to wake up. And once I'm awake and I'm walking around, and this happens two or three times a night, I'm like, this is, I'm not cool with this. So then I used double, arguably <laughs> more than double. <laughs> And I don't have those those ridiculous sides. Sure, my hands fall asleep. I have the, you know, I got a little bit of the trigger finger on the, you know, the two fingers of the right hand, not in the left at all. There are things that I'm watching, and there are things that have shown that this is working great. Um, but I just don't, I, I still think that, and I stand by the fact that I think that farm grade is still, superior i do not think that generics though good quality generics are a waste of money um you know a bad idea you just i just don't think they're the same i don't think they're as good when you factor in everything that's all i want to point out too that both skip and i have almost completely reversed kind of our stances over the last year and a half yeah that's exactly would you agree because skip was always he had a great provider of generics that he'd, mm-hmm. he'd been with for what 10 12 years or something oh, like God, that yeah long time yeah uh, yeah and and you'd never taken the dab into pharmaceutical because you're like well this shit's working so good why do i really need to everyone tells right. these stories about how different it is but i'm already seeing good results and then you did see some slightly better different results with the pharmaceutical grade sarah sarah Stim. And, and I've always, for the last 10 or 12 years, been vehemently against the generics. I tell clients, you know, don't waste your money. Just don't wait. Like, here, get, I'd rather you do like three units and and, and string out a, a box of Serostim versus, you know, seven or eight units of the generics, you know. And, I, and I've completely, I'm going to say maybe not a full 180, but like I'm, my mind is very open now. And honestly, I do think with the Janoshiks of the world that are yeah. available for testing have really made these guys up their game on the quality of GH that they're producing. And I just think that um, I, it's gotta be the cost of, and the cost and the, and, and shows like ours that are educating people about growth hormone so that everybody wants to use it. It's caused these providers to really up their game on production, production quality, shipping, all of these things that the pharmaceutical companies had already figured out years ago. Yeah, And I think that's an important note. I mean, I think we can all agree that 10, 12, you know, if you go back to like, say, the early yeah. 2010s, generics were not what they are. There has clearly been a yeah. progression. There's no, yeah. there's no question there. So, like, and we always say this too, we give our opinions and that's all it is. I mean, some would call it pseudoscience, but mm-hmm. uh, I digress. And then you take that information and you apply it and you come to your own conclusion based on how you respond to things individually, whether it's GH, whether it's training, whether it's nutrition, whether it's gastric emptying and then come on the comment section and argue osmolarity versus osmolality and think that you said something that is just so incredibly profound. But anyway, um, and then claim pseudoscience. You know, look, like I was going to go through this and not take a cheap shot (laughs) because I just don't like those types of situations i think it's being trolled and there's two types of trolls there's trolls that know they're trolling and then there's trolls that troll and have no idea that they are 
but everybody else does. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I did digress. Anyway, the point is, is take that, take take the opinions, weigh it out, try out. This guy's doing exactly that. He's going to run probably right. He wants to know what we want to tell him. Run the generics first, then run the, you know, the the pharmaceutical grade, the nortropins. Um, and you brought up a good point in the text, though, Skip. You brought up huh? a good point in you know, a text to both of us a second ago about the the pharmaceutical grade stuff is being faked at a much higher rate than it was 10 years ago. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and honestly, I fell victim. I bought, you know, I think I bought five Nordy pens one time. And then I also bought, a, I bought 10 Gino pens at uh, one point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, actually, it was Nate that pointed out that, you know, he's like, look at the expiration date on that. And then look at when they stopped his packaging. And it didn't add up. Like they stopped that type of packaging well before the date that was printed on. Now, was it growth hormone? That's what I was going to ask. Did it have GH in it? I don't know. I still have a few kits downstairs that have been sitting there for about a year or so. I might just go and pop them in. I'm I'm doing like no anabolic. I'm doing 25 milligrams of testosterone every other day right now. Okay. But but when I get back down to Florida, I'm expecting my labs to look like a a newborn baby's. Yeah. And I'm going to... (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kitchen sink it a little bit and uh, my stance my stance by the way with uh, generics versus pharma I had for a long time never was in a position to be able to buy pharma GH so for me it just wasn't an option and so I did a lot of research and finding what was good generics that said it's it's tough to say like you said Andrew the like blacktop isn't a blacktop isn't a blacktop there's like it could be anything. But if you know where to go to do your research, places like Professional Muscle, you can really you can really pay attention to what's good out there and you yeah. can figure it out. But it's something you have to keep up with, too, because things mm-hmm. constantly are changing. So I was a big fan of generics for a long time. Then when I tried Pharma, I was like, this is really good. But honestly, I didn't feel like it was a world better than what I'll say is the best generics I had. Now, and it's double the cost at least, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't see the difference. Like to me, it wasn't like this is worth three, four times as much. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm just, you know, financially, it just doesn't make sense for me. So I'm, I'm all for it if somebody can afford it. But the likelihood of our average listener being able to run out and find high quality serostim and being able to afford it, you know, isn't isn't as high as being able to get like a, a a solid generic. And having put that footwork in to find what it was. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of in the middle of the road. I think they're both good. If yeah. It depends on the situation. And the problem with farm with farm grade is like once you do it and you build it into your, your budget and then it comes around to like, well, now I can't find it. You know, oh, and then yeah. you've kind of neglected keeping an ear to the street on what the good generics are to fill the void. So right. now you got to do all this research. That's kind of what I've been doing. I've been relying on my clients and what they've been doing in their lab yeah. work to figure out like, oh, maybe I will try some of those generics that you guys are doing and, and use it for myself. Because my opinion right now is based off what I've seen in my clients that are using generics. And it's, it's, it's vastly better than it was 10 years ago or even five years ago. Well, maybe moving forward, I need to get some new sponsors for the podcast. You know, we aren't on YouTube and all. <laughs> exactly. Actually, we, I have. A, I put a call into Serostim. Um, I, yeah. I, I just throw out Serostim like that's the company. I, yeah, bad joke, I guess. Yeah. Use our code Think. Yeah, yeah. Use our code Think. 
All right, guys, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us. And, uh, of course, go to bodyberry.com to reach out to Andrew and teamskip.com to reach out to Skip, McNallyDiets at gmail.com to reach out to me for coaching. And, of course, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings on the best protein powders you can get, literally. I mean, you're going to get the best prices, basically wholesale prices, as well as carb powders, creatine, everything else you can think of, and supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Thank you to everybody from Patreon. You guys populated our whole questions tonight. So uh, Patreon people, I need you guys to hit us with some more questions and we'll have to figure out a new method to gather questions for the next episode. Maybe Patreon and the Facebook group. I'll post this show up in Facebook and they can comment there and we'll figure it out and go from there. Go to Rumble too. Show's on Rumble. Maybe they're going to watch it there. Who knows? You're on Rumble, Scott? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right guys see you thank know. you for everybody hanging out on the live stream